I grew up in the church but didn't understand what Christianity really was. To me, church was just a lame reason to dress nice in a place to go on Sunday mornings. It was essentially a check mark on a list of things I didn't want to do. But some friends helped me see the true meaning of Christianity. It wasn't about rules, but about a relationship. This changed my outlook on life. I am permanently marked. I became new. Well, welcome today to uh, all of you at all of our different live churches. And those of you in our network church family, you know we love you. And we're honored to partner with you. Uh, those joining us from all over the world at Church Online, we believe that it's not an accident that you're here uh, but that you're actually supposed to be here, and so we welcome you today. Um, this is the final week of the series called New. I'm going to team teach with your pastors, your network church pastor or your campus pastor. So let me dive in and then hand it off to them in just a moment. Our key verse for this three-week series is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 that says, at one time we thought of Christ from what? Everybody say it aloud. From a human point of view. Merely from a human point of view. How differently we what? I love this. How differently we know him now. In other words, we don't just know about Christ. When I was growing up, I kind of knew about him. We don't just know about him, but we know him. This isn't just a head knowledge, but this is a heart relationship. Some people miss heaven by about 18 inches. They have a head knowledge, but not a heart relationship. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, not just who believes in Christ, because even the de demons believe in him and shudder. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? All of our churches, they've become a new person. The old life is where it's gone, and a new life is what? A new life has begun. We're not going to be just a better person when we try harder, but we're going to be made new in Christ. We're not turning over just a new leaf, but we're experiencing new life. The big question we're going to tackle today is, what if I don't feel new? What if I know intellectually as a, I'm a church-going person, I believe in Jesus, and, and I, I believe he's made me new, but I don't feel new. I still don't behave like a new person. I still feel guilty for some things that I've done wrong. I, I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel very, very unworthy. Maybe you battle with negative thoughts about others or about life or about yourself, or maybe you've got some, um, some bad habits that you just can't get rid of. You pray that they go away, and they don't go away. Maybe you have a, a poor self-image. You wonder, how could God love someone like me? And there's this reoccurring challenge I don't know if you've ever done this before um, when you're vacuuming and, and there's something on the ground that you vacuum and you go over it and, like, and you go over it and it doesn't pick it up. And so you go over it from another angle and it doesn't pick it up. So you go over it again and then what do you do? You bend over, you pick it up, you look at it, and then what do you do? You throw it back down, right? And you got to go over it again. And, and sometimes in life, there are those things that you just... You pray about it, and you work on it, and you pick it up, and you look, and you throw it back down, and it just doesn't seem to go away. You know you're new, but you don't feel new, and the question is, why don't we feel new? Let me give you three thoughts if you're taking notes. The first one is because of our history, our past. 
what we've done, we often don't feel new. The second reason is our hurts. It may be what someone did to us, maybe even what we did to ourselves. Maybe we feel like even God let us down, but we don't feel new because of our hurts. Maybe it's because of our habits. It's those things that we continue to do. Like Paul said in Romans 7, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And we seem to be trapped in these habits. History, hurts, and habits. History, you don't know what I did. If you knew what I knew about me, you probably wouldn't like me. And God knows, so how could God accept me? Our history, our hurts. I feel wounded. I feel betrayed. Someone let me down. It's very hard to trust. I know I'm supposed to be new, but I don't feel new because of my hurts. Our habits, you know, I still struggle with this. I've prayed about it and I've tried, and yet I still struggle. I don't feel new. This is important. Feelings are legitimate, but they're not facts. They're legitimate. I don't want to discount them and say, you know, you shouldn't. We feel certain things. But just because we feel something doesn't mean necessarily that it's true. The bottom line is we are not changed by feeling different about ourselves, but we are changed by faith in God. And so I want to hand it over to your pastor to help talk about how we actually become new in Christ. Well, my name is Chris Beal, and I am uh, the campus pastor here at the Oklahoma City campus. I'm honored, as always, to be able to uh, share uh, the pulpit with my pastor, uh, Pastor Craig, and share, I believe, something that uh, we've been praying, to be honest with you, all week long, that God would use this message to, to literally change lives and to set people free. Um, if you're like me, uh, you've woke up in, in life and realized that you've had grand expectations for what life would be like or what, what you would have expected of yourself only to be disappointed about what reality actually feels like and, and how you actually feel about yourself. I remember one of the, one of the times that it was uh, so obvious in my life. I had uh, actually graduated high school in three years. I'm smart that way. And, uh, and I took a summer school class immediately after graduation. And so just picture this. I am, uh, I'm in an apartment with two other guys, buddies of mine, a little bit older than I was. I'm 17 years old, right? I'm on my own. I'm enrolled in college. I am a new man. No longer is my mother making a sack lunch for me every single day. Those days are long gone. No longer is my dad helping with my homework or driving me to work. I'm kind of like, this is a new day. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I have arrived. And one day, my roommate, Chad, uh, he walked by my room and, and he looked inside and he said, uh, hey, dude, um, do, you like, do you ever wash your sheets? And I said, uh, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I want to teach you something. And so he put gloves on, rubber gloves, to prevent contamination of any kind and helped me take my sheets off. He put them in the washer, put them in the dryer, pulled them out. And I'm not even going to tell you that they were a lighter shade. They were like a color I have never seen before, ever. And he was like, dude, you're just nasty. That's just gross. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I had so much expectation that I was the guy, I'm my own man, only to realize I'm still a teenager. I'm still a kid. And I am a loser, right? Parents, when your kids go off to college, make sure they do two things. One, 
they need to wash their sheets at least once a week, and two, they need to shower more than once a week, all right? That's just nasty, all right? But sometimes in our walk with Christ, it can kind of be that way. I give my life to God. I'm coming to a great church. I have these great expectations that who I am is going to be this incredible thing, and then I find myself remarkably disappointed by who I feel like I've become. Well, Pastor Craig said it. We are not driven by our feelings. They are legitimate, but we have to live by fact. This is fact. So regardless of how you feel today, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what does God say about you, and specifically, how are we made new in Christ? I want you to write this first thought down. The first thing that God's word says about us as being made new in Christ is this. We are forgiven from our past. Would you write that down? We are forgiven from our past. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood and the what? Say it with me. And the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I don't feel forgiven, yet... God's word says that if I am in Christ, and you need to hear this, if you are a follower of Jesus, everything about you is different, whether you feel it or not. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Some of you may be familiar with it. It's, it's literally a parable that Jesus told of a lost son, or you may know it as the prodigal son. And the story goes that the son demands of his father his portion of what took his father a lifetime to earn, his portion of, of his inheritance. He demanded it, the father gave it, and then the scripture says that he took that money and he just went and had a big grand old party. He just, everything that he could spend in excess is exactly what he did. Women, alcohol, he absolutely went hog wild living it up. And the son discovered something to be true that many of you and I are all too familiar with when you're living that kind of self-gratifying, whatever feels good life. Here's the two realities. One, the money always runs out. Two, there's always the next morning. Amen? There's always the next morning. And the world looks a little bit different the next morning than it did the night before, doesn't it? And he wakes up, and the Bible says he's literally face down in a pig pen, literally where, where these pigs like eat and do their dookie and all that nasty stuff. He's in the pig pen. Talk about reality. Talk about waking up to a whole new world. Then he realizes this. My father's slaves, my father's servants live better than I am living. And so he gets up and decides, I'm going to beg my father that he would make me one of his servants. And so he makes the trek back home. And if you know the story, one of the favorite parts of this is the scripture says that while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him. It's as though the father were standing at the end of, of the driveway, looking down the street saying, is today the day that my son comes home? And that day he got a glimpse of his son. Uh, scripture says he ran full sprint holding nothing back, wrapped his arms around the son and kissed him. And then three things happened. And these three things are true, not just of the son, but they are true of you. One, the father put a ring on the son's finger. It's a signet ring, and basically it gives the son authority to act on behalf of the father's estate. That's power. 
The second thing is that the father ordered that the fatted calf to be killed. Why? Because we're going to throw the party of all parties to celebrate that which is lost is now found. That communicates value. This is how much you mean to me, and we are going to celebrate. And the third thing, and do not miss this, it was the day that the son woke up in the pig pen that he made his way home. So what do you think he smells like? What do you think he looks like? He is still covered in the reminder of his rebellion against his father and against God. He still reeks of his sin. And the father takes a robe and he covers over his son's filth. The robe represents royalty. You and I are the son. And we are still, and some of us, even this morning, we still reek of what we did last night. We still reek of the choices we made a month ago. And the Bible says that if you are in Christ, that by what Jesus did on the cross, God covers over your filth and over your stench with a robe of righteousness that you couldn't possibly earn nor do you deserve but it's the truth of God's word. And it says who you are in Christ. You, if you're in Christ, you are forgiven. You are royalty. You are God's child. Is that good news to anybody but me? Man. Thank you, Jesus. Paul said it as clearly as possible in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He said, therefore, there is now some condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? No? Did I, did I misread that? All right, let me try this again. Therefore, there is now occasional condemnation when I really, really screw up, but I'm still in Christ Jesus. How about that? Wrong? There is therefore now what? No. All right, come on. you got to give me more than that. There is therefore now. No. There is therefore now. No. Not even a little bit. None. Not one ounce of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if God doesn't condemn you, why do you condemn you? We are forgiven of our past forever. You don't feel it because it seems too good to be true, but that's what makes grace, grace. It's something you can't earn and it's something you don't deserve, but God has given you the greatest gift of all time and we should just say thank you and live in the pleasure of God over us. The second thing God does in making us new, write this down, is he heals, we are healed from our hurts. We are healed from our hurts. Isaiah 61.1, the Lord has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners. There are so many of us, in fact, I would venture to say all of us, that carry scars of choices that we've made and choices that other people have made to us. And those wounds go deep and they tend to paralyze us. And we feel at times, I will never fully heal from this, this wound, from this area of brokenness. Uh, several years back, I have three sons, by the way, uh, Noah, Jackson, and Seth. And my, uh, my youngest son has endless energy, and uh, several years back, Cindy, my wife, 
went uh, to run errands on my day off Friday, and she left me in charge of the boys, which, ladies, that can be a risky decision for you to make. But we were playing outside, having a grand old time, being boys, being dumb, just, you know, doing crazy stuff. We came inside, and Seth, my youngest, had more energy to expend. And so one of the things Seth always likes to do is he plays gymnastics in the kitchen. And so what that looks like is he'll put a hand down on one counter and the other hand on the kitchen island, and what does he do? He just starts swinging, right? He wants to see how much air he can get. And he is like, He's relatively impressive. I mean, his legs will be completely horizontal both ways. Well, on this one little, like, backstroke, the legs went beyond horizontal. You see what's coming, right? The arms kind of come out from under him, and his face marries the porcelain tile. And then it's not even the crying. It's the pause before the crying that you know this, is, this really hurt, right? The pause before the crying is like, okay, this is a bad one. And so there's a pause. And then the crying starts, <clears throat> and I come up to him, and I'm, I'm hugging him, and I feel terrible, and <clears throat> I'm looking at his face, and he seems fine. Like, I mean, I don't see anything, like, out of place or wrong, and so, um, you know, he's kind of gets sidetracked and distracted, and after about five minutes of crying, he's like, let's go play, and so we go play, and it kind of slipped my mind to call Cindy and let her know that this had happened, and so she comes home three, four hours later, walks through the garage door, and this is the first thing that she sees. It didn't look like that when I looked at him. Um, so his nose is like totally broken. And, and so, um, you know, this point is we are healed from our hurts. And if I'm going to be real transparent, I haven't fully healed from the hurt my wife inflicted on me that day. <laughs> so he took Seth to the doctor set his nose. And um, our dear friend, who's an orthopedic surgeon, um, he told me something real interesting. He said, you know, Chris, when, when you have a, a broken bone, if you set it right and you give it time and you come back um, months later, a year later, and you get an you x-ray on it again, guess what you're going to see? Nothing. Nothing. Not a single ounce of evidence that that bone was ever broken. And in some cases, where the bone breaks and heals, it's actually stronger there than if it had never been broken before. That's what God does with us. You look at your wound. Somebody hurt you. Somebody victimized you. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody cheated on you. And the wound is deep. And you think to yourself, I'll never get over this. But the scripture of God says that God binds up the brokenhearted. And here's the real truth. You think it's a setback? It's not. It's a setup. Because what God does through pain, he doesn't do through any other means. The character God is going to build in you through pain and through hurt cannot be accomplished in any other way. There's a, there's a lady that attends our campus named Susie Hansen, and uh, she was on my staff for several years. She came uh, last night to our, our, our service, and she has a remarkable story. Um, she, she started to be sexually abused at age four. She felt broken, she felt abandoned, she felt betrayed, 
And from age four to age 30, in one way or another, by people that she knew and people she didn't know, she was violated in that way, and it defined her. She had to kind of medicate the emptiness. And so at age 12, she started using drugs. And they got harder and harder and harder. And then by age 15, she's in an inpatient rehab, 15 years old, in an inpatient rehab. Age 33, she comes to a place like this, and here's a message like this about a Savior whose, whose mission is to seek and to save those who are lost, who, those who are far from God, and she responds and she gives her life to Christ. And at that moment, everything began to change in Susie's life, and God began to re- reveal to Susie that all of those things that she thought were true about her were nothing more than lies. It's just, it's just deception. And she started to realize that her identity is not defined by things that happened to her. Her identity is defined by the price that was paid for her forgiveness through Christ. And that makes her very valuable and very precious to God. And I'm here to tell you that today, Susie mentors women in our church who have gone through the same type of abuse, and she's actually the spokesperson for the entire state of Oklahoma with an organization called Oath that brings advocacy and awareness to the reality of human trafficking and to the victimization of the vulnerable. Does God want that to happen to Susie? Yeah, you can celebrate that. Man, praise God. God doesn't want those hurts to happen. Will he use them? Oh, you better believe he will. You better believe he will. Church, there is hope in your hurt. And God has a purpose for your pain. You're not going to just endure it. You're not going to just survive it. God's going to use it, what seems as a setback, as a setup. And you're going to use it to change the life of someone else. Look at what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. What does God do? Who comforts us in all of our what? Troubles. God who comforts us in all of our troubles, why does he comfort us in all of our troubles? So that we can what? Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Please see this. God is going to bring hope into your hopelessness, but it's not just for you. It's so that when you see someone going through what you went through, you can now be their hope. God is going to illuminate light into your darkness. Why? So that you can be the light in someone else's darkness. We are called to be a funnel of God's healing. We are called to be a giver of God's light. We are called to give away what God has poured into us. It's not just for you. It's for you to give to the person next to you. It's to give to the person that you come across this week who has an eerily similar story. And it's not a coincidence that you met them. God heals our brokenness. He forgives our past. And finally, write this down. To be made due in Christ, we are freed from our habits. We are freed from our habits. This is where a lot of us get kind of tripped up. You know, Craig said that most people miss God because of 18 inches. 
we have this intellectual acknowledgement or awareness of the things of God. And, and that can be evidenced in churches like this all over America where, where Scripture's preached and, and people sitting in the, in the pews or the seats are nodding their heads and saying, yep, I believe in that. Yep, that's true. I believe God's going to heal my hurt. I believe God's going to forgive my sin. And then in churches all over the world, those good-hearted, you know, God-loving people walk through the doors, go home, and they can't stop drinking. They walk through the doors and say, yeah, I believe I'm forgiven, but I can't stop looking at those images on the internet. As much as I want to, as much as I try, I'm hooked. You had a procedure for which the doctor sent you home with some pain medication. And what started as therapy, pain management, has now become what? Addiction. I can't stop. I believe God forgives me, but I can't stop, I can't stop hiding the Oreos and binging on them when no one's around. That's a real deal. That's, that's not a fun thing to be addicted to, you know, because we all have to eat. But it's very real. I can't stop buying those shirts and those shoes to kind of fill that void. You don't need more shoes. You don't need more blouses. What are we doing? We're just trying to fill the void with something that will make me feel a little bit better. How is it that churches are full of people who intellectually believe that we are made new and they can't stop doing blank? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. And yet our churches are full of them. Look, look at what God's word says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus, intellectual, you've heard about Jesus and you've learned about the truth that comes from him. All right, so we start with the intellectual and now we come to the practical. Scripture says we are to throw off. Everybody say throw off. Again, say it again. Throw off. Your old nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. It's a lie. That old life, those old habits, it's rooted in nothing but deception. And we are called to throw it off. Not manage it away, not get some accountability for it, eradicate it, get rid of it. Throw it off of you with so much ferocity and vigor as you could possibly muster. Get rid of it. It's a lie. And then what does scripture say? Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And then what are the next two words that we are called to put on? Say it again. We are called to put on. So first we throw off the old, and now we are called to put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. How do we do that? How do we do this in such a way that when we leave today, we're going to be different tomorrow? Like actually we aren't going to be caught in that cycle and that black hole spiral of habits that we can't break, even though intellectually we believe that we are made new. Eleven and a half years ago, the old Chris Beale died. I was a prisoner of people's opinion, addicted to your approval. Um, from the time I was eight years old to the time that I was 30 years old, I was uh, addicted to pornography and sexual sin. I saw it as a kid, and it just never 
went away. I could never, I ne- could never kick it. And I came to this church as a pastor, and I realized that um, it was time to get honest and to get free. And so I got radically honest. I told my wife everything. I told Pastor Craig everything. I resigned my position. And a mentor shared this scripture with me. And he says, Chris, here's something that you're going to have to realize. What people say about you and what they think about you is irrelevant. What your parents think about you and say about you doesn't matter. What you think about you is probably the most irrelevant. What this says about you is everything. This is life and death. And so I was working a job at a retail home improvement store selling two by fours. I worked at 6 a.m. every morning. And I got a piece of paper and searched this book for every verse I could find that talks about who I am in Christ. And I wrote those verses down, 71 verses. And every morning at 545, I'd sit in my car and I'd read those verses out loud. And I did so for 180 days. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am co-heir with Christ. I am God's adopted son in Jesus Christ. I am Christ's friend. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. And through the truth of God's word and the truth of what he says about me, I put on who you see today. I am not the same guy. God's word has changed me. We've been praying for you all week that you would realize that the life and the struggle that you have, the spiral that you may be living in, is not God's, it's not his purpose for you. It's not his life for you. There's so much more. And I want to leave you with this last verse. Take courage in this. This is God's promise to you. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. All right, thank you guys so much for that great teaching. What do we know? We know we are forgiven from our past. We are healed from our hurts, and we are freed from our habits. And we're going to close out with this powerful verse from Colossians 3, 9 and 10 that says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Everybody say old. All of our churches say Old, you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Because of Christ, you are not in bondage to that old nature anymore. Verse 10 says, put on your what? Say it aloud. Put on your new nature. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Put on your new nature by faith. You are absolutely new. By faith, you are forgiven from your past. By faith, you are healed from your hurts. By faith, you are freed from your habits because you are new. Put on your new nature and be renewed. Let God's spirit make you new. You don't do the renewing. He does the renewing. Put on your new nature and be renewed. As you learn to what? As you learn to Know your creator and become what? And become like him. How are we made new? It's all in knowing our creator. Remember our key verse? How differently we know Christ 
now. We used to know him from a human point of view, but now we've been spiritually born again. Week one, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit, and you have spiritually been made alive in Christ. How differently we know him now. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Not just know about him, but to know him personally. And when you do, you will become like him. We're not just made better, but by his power, we're made new. All of our churches, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your presence and your spirit and your goodness in our lives. All of our different churches, as you're praying today, many of you, you're going to recognize I am still in bondage to something from my past. I'm still in bondage to some hurt in my life. I still have a habit that I'm struggling to overcome. All of our different churches, those of you who would say, I am a Christian, I believe I'm new in Christ, but I don't feel new in Christ. I want to, not only has he forgiven me, I want help forgiven myself. Not only do I know that he heals me, but I want to step into his healing. I want to know his power and be freed from these habits. I know intellectually I'm new, but I don't feel new. I want my behavior to match my beliefs. Would you lift up your hands right now, just all of our different churches, you see some of that in your life. God, I pray today for those um, who continue to hurt because of the past. God, I thank you that if we're in Christ, we're a new creation and the old is gone, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, for those who are hurting, I pray that there would be healing in your presence. God, for those in bondage to the old life, we take off that old sinful self by faith. We step into our new nature to know you, God, and behave like you. God, I pray that there would be addictions and habits broken in your presence by the power and the name of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. All of our churches, as you keep praying right now, very honestly, there are a lot of you that when you look at your life, you don't feel new at all. And one of the reasons you might not feel new is because you're not new. You're still you're still struggling with something from your past. You look at your behavior and you know it's not right. You've been hurt and you've been wounded and, and you, you can't seem to forgive or get over it. You're living in the hurts of yesterday. I want to tell you good news, and that is our God is a God who makes things new. That if anyone is in Christ, anyone who believes in him, their sins are forgiven and they are made new. And I believe with all my heart in God's goodness and love that he brought many of you here today for this moment to hear of his goodness, to hear of his love, to hear of his forgiveness, to hear of his healing, and to hear of his freedom that is available to you, not through your own efforts, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. He whom the Son has set free, Scripture says, is free indeed. At all of our churches, there are those of you who you recognize you're doing life on your own, you're stuck in the past. You need healing and you need forgiveness. Jesus is the Son of God who was without sin, who bore our sins on the cross, died and rose again so that anyone, and that includes you, no matter what you've done or how dark your life is, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
you will be made new. That's why you're here. Your old life gone, your new life in Christ is about to begin. All of our different churches, you need his forgiveness, you need his healing, you need his grace. Today you turn from your sins, you turn toward Christ, and you say, I give you my life. That's your prayer today. Would you lift your hands high right now at all of our different churches? Lift them up and say, yes.